This is The Burning Log. I'm Tony Edwards. Episode 3. Giving a Crap About the Present Moment Not long ago, I came down with something. I wasn't sure if it was a cold or the flu, but it really didn't matter. I was sick. Sneezing, coughing, fever, body aches, and a runny nose. I got out of bed because I needed to go to the bathroom. I stood up and started walking. The next thing I knew, I was lying on the floor and blood was trickling down my neck. I reached back behind my head and felt a fairly large gash. But I wasn't surprised. This wasn't the first time something like this had happened to me. I was also alone the first time I unexpectedly passed out, living by myself in a small apartment in Los Angeles. I woke up in the middle of the night and found myself feeling thirsty. So I got out of bed and headed toward the kitchen. The next thing I remember is waking up on the kitchen floor, a spilled pitcher of water next to me. Obviously I'd passed out, but I had no idea why. It was somewhat disturbing, but I didn't know what I could do about it. Like so many other Americans, I had no health insurance. So I crossed my fingers and hoped it wouldn't happen again. But a few years later, I would again find myself coming to. I was at Burning Man. Now, if you don't know anything about Burning Man, I'm going to leave it to you to do the research. There's no room in this piece for me to explain it here. Suffice it to say, I was in the desert at nighttime, and I was stone cold sober. But I didn't drink enough water, and I was very tired. I found myself not feeling very well, so I decided to rest a bit by sitting on the fender of an art car parked behind a DJ booth. When I came to, my head was in the lap of an attractive young woman wearing bunny ears, surrounded by a small group of people in crazy outfits. What happened? I said. Oh, you passed out. Actually, you passed out, came to, said you were okay, stood up, and then passed out again. I blamed myself because I hadn't taken care of myself. And hey, it was Burning Man. However, it was the next episode that gave me a clue as to what was going on with me. This time, I was simply sitting at my computer working. Suddenly, I felt like I was getting sick. A wave of nausea, dizziness, and cold sweat washed over me. At the same time, I had the urge to go to the bathroom, specifically, and importantly, to take a shit. And of all the symptoms I was experiencing at that time, there was only one that I could do anything about. I crawled on my hands and knees to the bathroom, and as I did my business, the other symptoms immediately subsided. I was surprised and relieved. I realized that, in case this ever happened in the future, I would know what to do. Feeling dizzy? Take a dump. But the next time I would find myself coming out of unconsciousness, it would have nothing to do with going to the bathroom. It was 2015. This time, when I woke up, I was surrounded by strangers in the middle of the street near where I lived at that time. I had just been involved in a motorcycle accident. I was driving, and my beloved wife, Laura, was on the back. My leg was broken, although I didn't notice it. When I asked the people around me, where's Laura, where's Laura? They didn't answer. No one wanted to be the one to tell me that my wife had been crushed under the wheels of a cement mixer truck. 
I crawled over to her and said goodbye and witnessed her last feeble breaths as she entered permanent unconsciousness. I know that that accident didn't happen because I passed out. I remember vividly the seconds immediately before unconsciousness, carefully moving forward from a stop. Laura's voice, Tony, look out the truck! Glancing at the left side mirror for a millisecond, seeing Laura's arm reach out toward the rear fender of the truck, then looking forward again. The view as reality went topsy-turvy, like video from a falling GoPro. Then nothing. The memory of those few seconds is etched into my psyche. And that granularity is what makes that particular experience of unconsciousness different from all the ones before it. In the years before the accident, Laura and I had worked and studied at practicing mindfulness. Our main source of learning came from a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. In the time following the accident, it became even more important to me. It was, and still is, my guidebook, an instruction manual for being. Tolle writes, Life is now. There was never a time when your life was not now, nor will it ever be. Time isn't precious at all, because it is an illusion. What you perceive as precious is not time, but the one point that is out of time, the now. That is precious indeed. The more you are focused on time, past and present, the more you miss the now, the most precious thing there is. Over the years, I have learned how to flip the switch, to go from a state of thought to no thought. I know that I am not my thoughts, but the one observing them using my brain to create solutions, and to create for the sake of creation itself. To live in the present moment, unencumbered by useless emotions, fear, regret, anger, which can arise when we allow ourselves to become identified with our thoughts. Most importantly, I have learned who and what I really am beyond name, form, and my life story. At my essence, I am simply consciousness, awareness, having been given the opportunity for a brief time to experience the physical world as a human being, and in doing so, allow awareness to become aware of itself. At this point, you may be asking yourself, what does this have to do with pooping and passing out? After this most recent incident, I found myself thinking about what happens when I pass out? Although it varies from one instance to another, there is a brief amount of time between the last thing that I can remember and unconsciousness. It was the time to cover the steps between my bed and the bathroom, the moments that I sat on the art car at Burning Man, the time between losing control of the motorcycle and my head hitting the ground. It is a period of time where there was sensory perception of the moment, but the moment had not yet been written into memory because it had not yet become a thought. This is similar to the thought gap that we try to achieve when we become aware of the present moment. We do this using our senses when we perceive without naming, when we look at a cloud, hear a sound, or feel the wind brush against our skin without naming or judging the sense. In the same way, when we meditate, we do so with the objective of obtaining a state of no thought. If we are successful, the only thing we remember is when that state is interrupted by thought. So really, 
that tiny slice of time that I experienced, but don't remember right before I passed out, actually isn't time at all. It is the present moment, a portal to the unmanifested, presented in a most unusual way. But take it from someone who knows, passing out on the bathroom floor is the next to last way I would choose to experience the present moment. The last way, of course, being death. Again, Toll writes, Apart from dreamless sleep, there is one other involuntary portal. It opens up briefly at the time of physical death. Even if you have missed all the other opportunities for spiritual realization during your lifetime, one last portal will open up for you immediately after your body has died. There are countless accounts by people who have had a visual impression of this portal as radiant light and then return from what is commonly known as a near-death experience. Many of them also spoke of a sense of blissful serenity and deep peace. In the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it is described as the luminous splendor of colorless light of emptiness, which it says is your own true self. This portal opens up only very briefly, and unless you have already encountered the dimension of the unmanifested in your lifetime, you will likely miss it. Most people carry too much residual resistance, too much fear, too much attachment to sensory experience, too much identification with the manifested world. So they see the portal, turn away in fear, and then lose consciousness. It's strange to experience that level of consciousness several times, only to return to consciousness. We experience unconsciousness every night when we fall asleep, but even then, we have some remembrance of our brain's activities in the form of dreams. We ease into it, drift off into it. Our conscious thoughts mixing with those rising up from the subconscious mind until the tide turns and we wake up again. The sleep I experienced was an abrupt, dreamless sleep, a near, near-death experience. And yet, it was oddly comforting. There was no panic, no feeling of, holy shit, I almost died. It was more like, wow, okay, that was interesting. I'm not sure that it lessened my fear of death, as I don't really think that I have much of a fear of it, but absolutely, it did not increase it. I'm not sure why it took me so long to do this, but after this most recent episode, I googled defecation, fainting. <laughs> Bingo. Medical definition of defecation syncope. Syncope is the temporary loss of consciousness, or in plain English, fainting. The situations that trigger this reaction are diverse and include having blood drawn, straining while urinating or defecating, coughing, or swallowing. The reaction can also be due to the emotional stress of fear or pain. Under these conditions, people often become pale and feel nauseated, sweaty, and weak just before they lose consciousness. Situational syncope is caused by a reflex of the involuntary nervous system called the vasovagal reaction. This reaction leads the heart to slow down and, at the same time, it leads the nerves to the blood vessels in the legs to permit those vessels to widen. The result is that the heart puts out less blood, the blood pressure drops, and what blood is circulating tends to go into the legs rather than the head. The brain is then deprived of oxygen and the fainting episode occurs. So, 
that's what happened. In fact, I do remember during the most recent episode coughing quite hard right as I stood up to go to the bathroom. And because I was sick, I was already sweating, nauseated, and weak, which masked the warning signs. It was the perfect storm. Looking back, this is probably what happened at Burning Man as well. I remember sweating profusely because of the non-porous outfit I was wearing. And, as anyone who's been to Burning Man knows, toilets are literally few and very far between. After this last episode, I went to the hospital. They took an EKG, which came back normal. And in the course of getting my last visa to stay in Thailand, I've had two medical exams, blood pressure, chest x-ray, heart size, blood work, all reported no problems. All in all, I'm in very good health. I can't guarantee that fainting will not be the reason for my demise. Then again, if it is, I won't know it. In any case, I will not go through life worrying about something that I really can't do much about. All I can do is to continue doing what I've always done. Stay healthy, keep stress out of my life, be vigilantly aware of the feelings of my body, and be present. Also, a glass of prune juice every morning and an Apple Watch with fall detection probably couldn't hurt. I'm Tony Edwards. Peace.